Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hammer was just explaining the devastation the wind did at his home yesterday during that commercial break. James Ham kind enough to join us here a little bit early with Casey out for the day. But yeah, it's been a been a wild day or so of weather here in our region. Um, shout out to all the cleanup crews who were out there working because I took Sprout for a walk earlier and it was a mess. And by the time I left to come in the studio, they had gotten a pretty good portion of it cleared off of the street. So salute to to everybody out there moving tree branches and all of that stuff because it was it was pretty ugly there for a little bit. Uh, and certainly a wild night. Um, and it could be a wild night in Cleveland if the Sacramento Kings are able to shut mm-hmm. down one of the hottest teams in the league, maybe not one of the hottest teams, maybe the hottest team uh, in the league. Sacramento Kings are playing pretty damn well themselves, but the the Cleveland Cavaliers have won 13 of their last 14. They've won five straight, and Will Z just uh, laid out for us, man. They do it on the defensive end. They do it on the offensive end. And if this win streak is going to be uh, is going to continue, uh, or if this stretch of really good basketball is going to continue for Sacramento, it's going to be a tough, tough road ahead against the team that they've played pretty well the last two years. Yeah, this is a really good team, and they're a difficult matchup on paper to the for the Kings, but in reality, that hasn't really translated. So uh, the Kings have done perfectly fine dealing with the length and athleticism of the Cavs in the past. Uh, you know, they've got a couple of guys, Garland and, uh, Jared Allen are both questionable, but Sabonis has eaten those guys alive the last couple of times they've played. And I I would expect him to do the same to Mobley. If, if we don't see Jared Allen on the court should be a good matchup. You know, you always talk about the the final game of a long road trip. Seven game road trip is brutally long. You know, these guys have been away forever. I feel bad for, you know, people like Kyle and, Katie who have been out there like on on the road with the team you know they don't get the they don't have the same lifestyle that the players do uh they they do stay in nice hotels and stuff but still it's just a long time away to, uh from from kids and family yeah definitely um but they've been treated to some good basketball this has been a really good road trip for Sacramento five and one uh so far headed into uh this final game which I think is certainly beyond. Uh, even our most optimistic expectations headed into this seven-game road trip. What is it about the way the Sacramento Kings have played, really? And I don't, I don't know where you lie, James. You could choose to include that four-game losing streak where they did play really well against Milwaukee but lost. They they played really well for 41 minutes against Phoenix and lost, and they had that stinker. I think it was against Indiana. But there's there has been a. a a collective sample size of good basketball here for Sacramento where it doesn't feel like there's as many, you know, ups and downs as we saw at the start of the season. 
Yeah, I, I think that if we look at that that three three game stretch, three or four games, it may have been like the the thing that taught this team a lot. Uh, I think that you know being in close games is very very important during the regular season, and having all these blowout wins and losses, they almost don't have value. Mm. You know, I hate saying that, but they don't. You know, sure you can get the feeling of what it's like when you're just bombarding a team and you know, the feel good for a win, but these close games, and even though they were losses, I, I think they taught this team that they weren't good enough right then, that they needed to figure out how to close out games, that they had a few things they were doing wrong, that if they got in the film room and then got on the practice floor, they could really learn from. And sure enough, we've seen the Kings really handle sort of close games really well over the last you know week. And you got a game like Chicago the other night where, you know, they almost blew a 30-point lead, got all the way down to three. But look, that is that is the modern NBA. It's it's certainly 2023-24 season in the NBA where offense is completely king. And you're talking about a team who was on the second night of a back-to-back that's on the, the I think it was the fourth night of three games in four nights. Uh, they were dog tired and they held on and they found a way to win. And that's what we're talking about. You got to find ways to win, figure out when everything goes wrong, can you pull together for five stops? Can you pull together for, for three minutes and play really solid basketball just to try to hold on? And they figured it out. And so I think we're seeing a good stretch of basketball that uh, realistically, I, I don't know if it changes your idea about who this team is going forward or even who this team is, you know, heading into the trade deadline. But you'd rather see them be on a good stretch than a bad stretch, especially when, you know, this thing could have spun out pretty quickly and the season could look a lot different right now as opposed to being 10 games over 500. How much can we attribute to the way that the Sacramento Kings are playing to whatever light bulb went off in Harrison Barnes or whatever was said to Harrison Barnes or whatever has caused Harrison Barnes's field goal attempts and points per game to double in the last seven games over his season average through the first 41. Yeah. You know, Damien, it really does feel like that three day break that the team had had a huge influence on just maybe the perspective of this team about how they were maybe not being as, as equal and fair to one another as you would hope that they would have been. And I think it probably maybe even started a little bit before that with, with the way that Kevin Herter woke up out of his slump mm-hmm. and started to play more and more productive basketball. And I think it's possible that Harrison Barnes saw that as a pathway forward for him as well. Um, but you know, I, I think this this Kings team, it's kind of funny. As soon as, you know, one guy picks it up, another guy falls back. And as soon as two guys pick it up, two guys fall back. And, you know, so I, I think throughout this entire season, we've kind of seen that where it's really difficult for the top six guys on this team, maybe even seven, for all of them to have a really good game at the same time. There's just not enough shots to go around. They've got a lot of offensive weapons. And for me, what we're starting to see now is sure Harrison Barnes is kicking up and, and Kevin Herter's found his, his bounce. And, and then Malik Monk has a couple of games where he looks great again, 
but now you're seeing Keegan Murray fall back. And so Keegan over his last four games has three games where he's, he scored five points and one where he scored 33 sort of like this inconsistency of a young player, but, and they lost really, I think the 33. A, That's the weirdest part. Yeah. They lost the game. He scored 33 and won the three games. He scored five. Well, I think that that's an interesting point, and it might speak to sort of a young player and the way that they're bringing him along and the fact that his points and his contributions, like they can be big in a game, but I think there are players on this team that maybe their stats are more impactful today and that you'll slowly see Kagan become one of those extremely impactful players as as he gets more uh, as he gets deeper into his career. But for right now, it does, it sure does feel like every time Trey Lyles catches fire in a game, you're going to win. And when M- Malik Monk brings his A game, the Kings don't lose. And so that's something that, you know, De'Aaron Fox is going to get his points and Demonis Sabonis is going to do his thing. But sometimes the weight of of some of these players that that aren't taking the step forward, that aren't, demanding more shots and and more of the you know piece of the pie uh that those are crucial players for how this team has to advance and so i mean it's kind of an intriguing season to watch because none of it feels like they they just haven't like hit on all cylinders it, mm-hmm. it feels like even though they're 10 games over like you can you're waiting for the backfire you know you mm-hmm. can hear the the engine missing like two cylinders aren't clicking tonight and there'll be a game where this team figures it all out. And, you know, maybe it'll be like on the last game of a seven game road trip. You never know. But uh, I also think that the, the path ahead, the next, you know, once you get past this game, once you get past uh, what is it, Detroit, when they come home, it gets really, really difficult going into the all-star break and coming out of the all-star break. And I think we'll know a lot more about who this team is after that, two week stretch more than we will uh, this stretch right here. Yeah. I wonder if we're starting to see some signs about who this Sacramento Kings team could be. We talked about Keegan uh, and his kind of struggles on the offensive end, um, but his impact seems to be there on a night to night basis on the defensive end. De'Aaron has been playing otherworldly defensively uh, in the last two games, 11 steals, uh, in the last two games, he's having had a really good season overall, averaging 1.8 uh, steals uh, per game. He's third in the league behind SGA, who is considered the you know the premium uh, defending guards, and then he's right behind, just right behind Donovan Mitchell, who's at 1.9. And it feels like that what he was doing on the defensive side of the ball against Chicago was what carried him to that 41 points. You could see his energy you could see everything shift in him and he starts to do that thing when he starts to when he starts to get in a vibe he hits a shot and he does that thing with his hands and it's like oh okay yeah fox fox is feeling himself right now but it was on both ends of the floor and to me hammer and i'm curious your thoughts on this the trajectory of this team maybe not necessarily this year maybe to a minor degree this year but the trajectory of this team long term is completely different if we're talking about De'Aaron Fox as a top three defensive guard in the league. Oh, for sure. I mean, if he's going to be a guy who steps into that role and really does, you know, figure it out. First of all, I don't think you can be an elite, elite defensive guard and an average 30 a game. 
and maybe SGA is going to prove me wrong there, but like the long haul of a season is just really difficult. There's a difference between a bunch of steals and being a great defender. And, you know, like you can, you can be a marginal defender who gets a bunch of steals. Uh, but I, I think the way that Fox has been able to get deflections and to be engaged, pressure the ball, mm-hmm. like really stop the point of attack to me, it, it shows a huge step in his progress, but also I think, you know, when you're in line to make an all-star team, I, I think most players, they understand that to get there, you got to score and you got to be, you know, that guy, you got to be the guy who averages 28 or 30 points a game. And, and I think when you don't make the all-star team, even though you're doing that stuff, I think there might come a point where De'Aaron realizes that the real substance to who he can be as a player is as a two-way player and not just as his juggernaut as a scorer. The way that the Kings get great is is not by Fox scoring more points, is by Fox doing the other things and more and more of the other things, of playing defense, of uh, getting deflections, of you know going in, having a night where he has six or eight rebounds or a night where he, he you know, dishes out a bunch of assists. Like there's a way that this team gets way, way better. And De'Aaron Fox just stays where he's at as a player. And I, I think he's starting to realize that, that winning is, should be all that matters. It like the accolades. He just kind of got showed the door by the NBA that, that it doesn't matter how big of a number you put up. The only way to earn respect in this league is to win and not just win in the regular season, but take that next step and and win in uh, in the po- in the postseason. It's ridiculous. It's not what the All Star Game is. It's ridiculous. No, I I totally get you. I, I get you. But as a player, you got to look around and say, why did I not make it? And you can say I I got jobbed for sure. Uh, but you can also take it to heart and go, you know what? As a team, we haven't been consistent at all, right? And so maybe that's where we have to start. Maybe if if we become consistent and we keep winning and we to keep doing the things we we need to do, then Sacramento can earn the respect that it deserves. And it, it's kind of weird because you thought that you got to the end of the season and they just won one award after another, right? Mm-hmm. You know, coach of the year, uh, six man, well, not six man. Uh, Clutch uh, yeah, clutch player, uh, executive of the year, um, all NBA status, all these mm-hmm. things. And people go, oh, well, all you'd be worried about is all NBA. It's like, hey, they just voted and yet you didn't make the all-star right. team again. Do you think you're going to make all NBA? Like, I don't know that that's, and that will cost him tens of millions of dollars. Like, because there's a big difference between a guy going into a max extension at 35% and, and a max extension at 30%. And that's if he strings together these two all NBA seasons together. And so, yeah, I mean, this is uh it, it is kind of a moment where I think De'Aaron needs to take, take a step back and reflect. And, and I, I hate that they both got left out the all-star game. I, I think it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. And, you know, you could say it could be like recency bias that, you know, De'Aaron Fox really didn't have a great month of January. And it's like, okay, well then what's your excuse for Sabonis? Because Sabonis had one of the best months of January we've ever seen. I mean, mm-hmm. the guy's averaging almost a triple double, and the entire month. And not only that, but he's leading the league in rebounding. He's he's like fourth in the league in win shares. He's even on NBA.com. He's seventh in MVP balloting, and that's league wide. That's not just a Western Conference 
Like, how could you leave one of these guys off the all-star team? And the fact is, I think a lot of people around the league are, are a little leery on what Sacramento is and, and who they are as a team. And they should have that same thought about the, the Los Angeles Lakers, who are just not a good team, or the, the Golden State Warriors, who are just not a good basketball team at all. They're a bad team. And they still got all-stars, and one of them, those teams got two all-stars. But I still think that there is something that, that the Kings have to prove to the rest of the league and so these things don't happen where they get disrespected like this. Yeah, I think it's... Have you ever asked the coach if they did or didn't vote for someone in the All-Star game? No, I think that's kind of strange because, and I'll tell you, a lot of coaches, they don't take it seriously that they, they do hand it off to their assistants and or they hand it off to an assistant who hands it off to an assistant um, or somebody who just scribbles down a bunch of things. I just think it's really strange. And, and to be honest, like I, I hope one of them or both of them get in as, as injury replacements, but there's no guarantee that that's going to happen at all. Right. And it's just the reality of the situation. That means somebody's got to get hurt between now and, you know, right. a week and a half from now. And as of right now, I mean, there isn't anyone limping in. It's not like there's no Julius you know, Randall on the West. Like Julius Randall's hurt. He's not going to be in the all-star game. I assume Trey young is going to get in. There's no obvious that's not well, Joel here. Embiid. Yeah, Joel, Joel Embiid, Embiid, yeah, it's another too. one. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the West doesn't have one of those guys right now, and I do believe if if there is an injury in the West, that you know Sabonis is probably first and Fox is probably second, but still means that somebody's got to get hurt, and I'm not sure that it's going to happen. It's funny that this team is probably playing at the exact same clip that they were last year when they got two All-Stars, but now they value winning because that same clip is good for fifth in the West, better than their Phoenix Suns, who they got two All-Stars in there for, but you know, below Minnesota, Los Angeles, Oklahoma City, and Denver. It's um, The thinking is ridiculous to me, and I do think Sacramento, I do think Sacramento still has a stigma to it. I still think Sacramento has a bad franchise stigma to it because last year, at this time, James, all we were hearing about for two weeks leading into the trade deadline, leading into the All-Star break, and even in the initial days coming out of the All-Star break was how Sacramento was going to get caught. They were going to get exposed because everyone was going to ramp up and they were going to be better and the Sacramento Kings were going to fall back. Sure, they could be a cute little story. Sure, they could be, you know, maybe sixth if they do, if they play their cards right, but there's no way they're going to maintain this third spot. And they turned out to be one of the better teams in the entire league in the second part of the season. No one has said that about the Oklahoma City Thunder. No one has made that proclamation about this young basketball team relying on some good some some good a really good coach a good rookie in Chet Holmgren and a superstar in SGA no one has questioned whether they're going to be able to maintain the 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 struggles of the second part of the season like they did Sacramento last year it's because they all love Oklahoma City they all love Sam Presti it's a team that they've been building up for 5 years they can't say anything bad about Minnesota because they've been building Minnesota up for 4 years and this was the first year they were actually right about them. So they can't say anything bad about them, so let's just take it all out on Sacramento because even though they're a season and a half into this run, yeah, we don't buy it. Yeah, I, I think the biggest travesty is, you, you brought it up, it's with Cat, right? Cat makes the All-Star game. 
um, playing for a Minnesota team that very well could do exactly what we thought that the Kings would do last year and the Kings didn't do. I want to see where it's, it's kind of weird. That's why the all-star break in the middle of the season is kind of strange because you're basically gauging a, a team, not just even on like, like 50 or 60 games, whatever it ends up being. It's really in order to like make the, the, the balloting was in like last week. So you're almost looking at like halfway through the season, like you're making a proclamation on what players are. And like, historically speaking, Carl Anthony Towns has been a guy who's quit on his team so many times. It's ridiculous. And, you know, he's a guy that like has that around the league. And you talk about all these, these, you know, talking heads around the NBA who have, who have picked a team like Minnesota or picked Minnesota to take this great leap. And typically they don't take the great leap because he doesn't show up mm. and he doesn't, he doesn't play all the games that he should be playing. And he, he doesn't take that step that makes his team better. Even like we saw this year, the 62 point game or whatever it was. And it came in a, in a loss to a bad Charlotte Hornets team mm -hmm. and his coach completely lambasted him. Um, it, it's, it's weird how, again, like Anthony Edwards is, is now the media darling that, that De'Aaron Fox was last year. And so you're kind of waiting for this moment. Like heaven forbid you compare stats between guys like Steph Curry and De'Aaron Fox or guys like Anthony Edwards and De'Aaron Fox, like, and then make a decision on, you know, who really does deserve to be there. So I'm kind of with you. I, I want to see if, if OKC, if, if the T-Wolves, I mean, because both of those teams could come right back down to earth. The Kings are like on the bubble of that. They're on the top of that second tier. Mm -hmm. But that first tier is so catchable, especially when you look at the teams that are there and how they haven't been there before and how they haven't had this sort of success before. And I kind of want to see, you know, if the Kings can claw back in and and catch up to the teams at the top of the uh, of the Western Conference standings. Yeah, you know, the, the the Kings are playing well enough. It's a question of either will any of those four teams play bad enough to fall back a little bit. I don't think Denver will, especially with health. I don't think they'll ever be that inconsistent. The same with the Clippers. They're on a run right now that should be terrifying for the entire conference. But I'm with you in, in keeping my eye on Minnesota and Oklahoma City uh, moving forward. My bigger hope is that the Kings create some separation from, you talk about that third tier, right? Push the... If, if, if Phoenix wants to stay in the second tier, somehow push the Pelicans uh, down into that third tier to where the the Kings' um, top six guaranteed playoff spot gets solidified a little bit quicker and they're not in the mix for the play-in too late in this season. Yeah, what I would love to do, too, uh, you know, even if you can stick around and, and somehow find your way to number four, Mm-hmm. And, and then match up against one of those young teams, whether it's Minnesota or uh, it's it's uh, OKC. I'd love to play OKC in the first round. Mm -hmm. Just like everyone said last year, they'd love to play the Kings in the first round. Yeah, I mean, the Kings have had their number every single time they played. So that that is a team that I kind of circle and like, hey, that wouldn't be a bad matchup. You don't want to do is play the Clippers. Uh, nope. You don't want to play the Pelicans in the first round. Like these matchup like these teams that are just really, really bad matchups. Unless, unless heaven forbid you go out and you do something between now and Thursday and you go out and try to clear up some of the issues that you have as a team and, and try to bring in somebody to slow down a, a Kawhi Leonard or a Paul George or 
you know, a Brandon Ingram, one of those guys that you know you're going to face in that in in first or second round of the playoffs. So, yeah, lots of uh, lots of intrigue here, man. I, I I don't know. Like this has been a, a really interesting season for the Kings. The roller coaster ride has just been wild, and and it's like expectations seem to have gotten to them a couple of times. But even saying that, they're still like the last year they didn't get to. 10 games over until game 60 this year. They got there at game 48. Mm. Uh, you know, they were um, at this point last season, they were a solid team, but they, they hadn't really taken that next step where you get to 10 games and 10 games is sort of a magic number, sort of not, but it is a, it's a big number because once you get there, it's kind of easy to stack on some extra wins, especially in the second half of the season when some of these teams just bail on the, on the year. And the Kings have plenty of games against those teams that, you know, either bottom of the Eastern Conference or bottom of the Western Conference. Well, you brought it up. Uh, is there a move to be made over the course of the next four days that helps clean up some of the issues that Sacramento may have? Yeah, it's intriguing. Um, should there be a move? Yeah, there probably should be. Uh, will there be a move? I, I don't know. So you let's know, start with that. Been... You, you you say there should be a move. Where Like, there should be a move like, like a top five player move like a like a starting position move or there should be a move like hey that second unit needs to be cleaned up a little bit that's what we're looking at well i mean clearly the second unit needs to be cleaned up but the second unit needs to be cleaned up could be solved by bringing in a player that fills that that makes it to the first unit and pushes one of the first unit guys back to the second unit Mm -hmm. you know so yeah there's all kinds Mm -hmm. of ways to to piece this thing together and get and get better. Right. Um, like if I were looking at this as the GM of the team, I would probably be looking really, really hard at, at some of these long athletic forwards, just because like, look, that's, that's going to be the sticking point. That's going to be what limits you in the playoffs. If you can't somehow defend one of these long athletic guys, you're, you're going to get beat, you know? And for me, if I'm looking at, uh, like the way that the Kings have advantages at specific positions. Like there's no one in the league that can stay in front of De'Aaron Fox. And, and there's no one in the league uh, with Steven Adams out of action. Um, and with Kevon Looney not being in the playoffs, that can really limit Demonis Sabonis either. There's a couple of players who, who have some, have a chance against Sabonis, but, and, and there are a couple of teams in the league that have done a nice job of slowing down De'Aaron Fox but you have major advantages at those positions. The problem is that you're giving up so much at, at that wing defender position. And, you know, again, Keegan Murray has come along has become a much better defender, but that doesn't mean you need another Keegan Murray. Realistically, you need another guy who can do what he does and maybe do it better. And, and they don't have that player. And so it's not a knock on, Harrison Barnes, I would be perfectly fine with a, a trade that, you know, saw the Kings going out and getting a guy like Kyle Kuzma or, or Jeremy Grant and holding on to Harrison Barnes and making, and, and again, if there's some way to do that and hold on to the core of your group and, and then have Harrison Barnes be your seventh man, man, that's a good team. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I'm kind of at. Like, I, I think that there is a way for this team to get better. Although I don't, I'm not on the phone with these teams. I'm not, I don't know what the deal is that they want. And I also, I brought this up on the insiders earlier today, but you know, there is this saying that 
that when you get to the off season, if you do make the playoffs and your first round pick goes to the Atlanta Hawks, it resets the Stepien rule. And so you go from a team that has some difficulty trading a first round pick until like 2028. But if that 2024 pick goes away, you can trade your 25, your 27, your 29, and your 31. You now get to go back to seven years out. You can trade back-to-back picks. You just can't trade them in the future. And so that's where like the Kings right now, they can have traded their 2024 and then turn around after the draft and trade their 2025. There is that possibility. And so like you would have a lot more ammunition this summer. And maybe, maybe that's a better idea to wait until the summer, uh, especially since most of your other players are under contract already, except for except for Malik Monk. Maybe it does make more sense then to to really go all in on a move. But like we see the limitations, right? I, everyone sees the limitations of this team. They're not good defensively. They haven't really improved defensively. They're like three better than they were last year as far as defensive rating. It's just the rest of the league is much worse defensively and and a lot better offensively this season. But yeah, I would definitely be aggressive heading into Thursday, and I would look for a move that ramped things up a bit. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Why do you think... much better defense on the road. Like the numbers are pretty staggering. It was like top, I think the number was eight. It was certainly top 10, but I think they were eighth in the league defensively on the road. And then, you know, 20 something at home. It's virtually identical to what in last year. 
And we were trying to figure out and work through ways like, why is this such a dramatic difference between defending on the road and defending at home? I remember at some point, I think it was De'Aaron last year that said, sometimes we just rely on the home at home. Or I don't remember what player said it. I think it was De'Aaron. But sometimes, you know, at home, we just we rely on the home crowd. We get up and down. You know, we, 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 we feed off the noise. But on the road, we're more locked in, which I found both fascinating and frustrating in that, like, hey, that's terrific. You were able to identify the problem. But clearly, you can't do anything about it because it feels like you're doing the exact same thing here this year. Yeah, I I don't know why they're not, I, and they're better at home this year for sure. I think they have a, a six 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 win percentage at home, six six seven win percentage. So they are better at home than they were last year, but the defensive disparity doesn't make a lot of sense. And I, I guess it can just be that you're riding the wave of the crowd, that you're trying to put on a show for your home crowd, that you're scoring in bunches for your home crowd, and in return, you're giving up bunches of points that can all be part of it. Um, but you know, I, it, this dates back years and years. The Kings haven't been a solid home court advantage team since the glory years. And they've got to figure that out. They've got to really, really, you know, if they want to be a 50 plus one team, it has to come at home. And I think right now they're on pace to win. I think somewhere around 29 games at home. Um, mm. They need to get that number well over 30 if they're going to if they're going to hit 50 wins um or at least like be in the low 50s like where you really want to be uh but like they it is a problem it's a problem that you know they they don't seem to have the defensive focus at home and they get caught up in the moment a little bit too much at home and they use the energy of the crowd when they're at home where a lot of these teams when they're on the road you know you're not selling out to go like a lot of teams around the league aren't selling out because the Sacramento Kings are rolling in. And, you know, you go to some of these cities that you would think would be good, good NBA cities, but don't draw a big crowd and you have to create all that energy yourself. And a lot of ways to make, create that energy is to do it on the defensive end. Yeah. I wonder if the next step for this team is defense, right? And you talk about correcting some shortcomings that they have, right now headed into the trade deadline and you know I, I'm not I'm not sure what's realistic and you kind of alluded to this a minute ago James I don't know what's realistic really headed into uh, Thursday or maybe not even realistic what's truly impactful headed into Thursday and I've been you know of these last two seasons like hey let's last year was great let's see what type of growth this team has together obviously a lot of it depends on on Keegan Murray, what's next for 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 De'Aaron and, and Domas. And next season, this upcoming offseason, headed into next season, will be the first time where I look at this team like assuming this season finishes on a positive note with them continuing to play well and however things end in the playoffs, they end in the playoffs. But next year will be the first time where I look at this team and it's like, okay, you kind of got to do something now, right? Because you've got a couple of years under your belt. And like I'm now, like, what growth are you taking? What step are you taking? And I'm think I'm with you of the mindset that if something, if something that kind of swings the momentum happens with this franchise, I think it probably happens in the off season more likely than it happens before Thursday. It feels like, and you, you we talked about this privately. I don't think it was on. It is so awkwardly quiet around the entire league right now. 
The OG deal has already been done. The Siakam deal has already been done. Both of those were kind of inevitable given their contract situations and everything we know about Toronto. But outside of that, you know, Zach Levine is out for the season. You're not really sure what, what Washington is doing, and you're not really sure what Golden State's doing, and it's just kind of like, huh, Thursday may just come and go. No, I, I think it is possible Thursday will come and go, but I, I would also say that a lot of the teams around the league are looking at the same thing I am when it comes to draft picks, and I think there are a lot of there are a lot of situations around the league that that will improve on July first, as far as you know the draft status. Like again, the Lakers right now have like one way off in the distance future first round pick and one pick swap to play with, but you get to July first, and all of a sudden they've got three, mm-hmm. three first round picks to use. Um, I, I think that that's something that. Like it's one of the dynamics of the league that doesn't always come into play, but if you're a team and, and I I'd even circle like the two guys that we talk about all the time, right? So if the Kings go out and get Dorian Finney Smith that, you know, that's a fair to middling move. Like it's fine. He's a rotational player. Um, he's a good defender, but we're talking about a guy who averages nine points a game, um, you know, like a 10, 12, $13 million player. Right. Um, but the other two big pieces that we keep talking about are Kuzma and and Grant. And the problem that the Kings have is that both of them are under long-term deals. Like Kuzma is in the first year of a four-year deal and uh, Jeremy Grant's in the first year of a five-year deal. And so these players, there is no like ticking clock on them to trade if you're the team that has them. And so for a team like the Kings who are coming at, uh, you know, a team like Washington or a team like Portland, like there's only so much you can offer. Like nobody wants a 2024 pick. Uh, they're not, it's not widely considered a good draft. And, and that's okay because the Kings don't have one. But, you know, teams are going to want something from the Kings. And the Kings don't have a lot to offer as far as like rotational pieces. And then these teams that we're talking about, they they really aren't teams that should be looking for rotational pieces. They should be teams that are looking for first round picks or first and second round picks. If you got a couple of young players, that's fine. And that's just, it's kind of the reality of the situation. The two guys who might be available that are on bad teams and they're under really long-term deals. And there's, there's not a gun to their, the head of, of the GM to trade these guys. We'll come back. Um, we'll talk more uh, about Kings basketball, uh, the future of Kings basketball, and more specifically, the immediate future of Kings basketball as they'll take on the red-hot Cleveland Cavaliers. And because that game's at 4 o'clock, we'll be your official – sorry, can't say that. I'm getting in trouble. Be your unofficial pregame show here to get you ready for the Sacramento Kings and the Cleveland Cavaliers. It's Steeler and KC along with our man James Ham here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. ridiculous conversations of all times james and i do not bond over music at all i thought no. I, th- I thought i had an olive branch here with the chicago reference and he was like nope but saw boston so it was like well all right no no i would love to see chicago i, I you know so it's funny but, i'm looking at the picture of chicago there's like 20 of them like i don't i didn't realize chicago was such a chicago used to tour with in fire and those shows were amazing okay yeah, I would I would have done Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah, I don't know. I, I've been to a lot of shows. Me and Sean, well, Sean Cunningham has been to every show ever. He's he is the concert uh, god. He is he to a lot of, but I've been to. I mean, if my sort of genre of music, like I've been to a lot of shows, and I've seen a lot of great bands that you know are fading or are gone now. So, what would you consider I've, your genre of music? Eighties rock. Um, 80s and classic rock. I don't know. Uh, power ballads. I don't know. Like a uh, big journey guy. See, James is the reason we can't beat the Eagle. That's what it is. We keep coming up second to, to the Eagle over there and their classic rock music. And it's all because of James Ham. Well, if we Damn wore it, shorts more often, <laughs> boof. Yeah. Well, we yeah. might have a chance to beat Justin Case. I don't think my man Justin Case owns a pair of pants. He's got. I think his... he wore pants. He wore something the other day that shocked us all. We're like, wait a sec, is he wearing some sort of pants-like thing? Yeah. I refuse to believe it. I did. I, I refuse to believe it. My man has denim shorts on every day, regardless of the weather <laughs> conditions. Every single day, my man is rocking those. Justin, literally the nicest dude on the planet. Man, love that guy. Uh, yeah, love that we talk guy. over coffee. Over and love, coffee every morning. And love Big 12 basketball. It's number eight versus number eight Kansas at Kansas State coming up uh, at 545 ESPN 1320 is your exclusive radio home of the NCAA men's basketball tournament for like the third or fourth year in a row, man. Great stuff right there. Um, James, coming up in about 25 minutes, we've got Kings basketball there in Cleveland. Uh, taking on one of the hottest teams uh, in the league right now, the Sacramento Kings. Uh, pretty hot themselves. Uh, both teams playing really, really, really good basketball. There's been a shift uh, for the Sacramento Kings. It feels like some of the ups and downs from the early part of the season uh, are gone, and now they're headed in a stretch here where we often talk about the stretch coming out of the All-Star game. James, i got to imagine this stretch going into the All-Star game is pretty difficult. You're ending a road trip. You're coming home for a couple. You got some road games. I got to imagine, you know, regardless of the teams, this stretch right here is pretty difficult because you kind of see a semi-finish line in sight where you get to catch your breath a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I I think one of the advantages to not making the All-Star team is that you don't have to go to the All-Star game. And as of right now, uh, the Kings will be represented by Keegan Murray. And... uh, that's a big break, you know, uh, the, the first half of the season as you know, it's kind of broken up. It's not really the first half, but you know, the pre 
all-star break schedule ends on February 14th. And then you still have 28 games to play after that. But it's a like they finish with a with a fury here. Like you've got the Pistons, which is a really good like get back home after a long break game to play. Uh, and you can't slip up there against a, a bad Pistons team. But then you got the Nuggets, you got OKC, you've got Phoenix, and, and you got the Nuggets again. And then you play the Nuggets again mm. at, on February 28th. So in the next three weeks, they're going to play the Nuggets three times. And they've played well against the Nuggets in the past, but I'm not sure. Like playing well against the Nuggets, you know, it, it, that's one thing, but like trying to battle them this many times in this small of a window, they're really, really difficult. And Mike Malone wants nothing more to stomp the Kings every time he plays them. So it's very grown up. I think it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting. A uh, couple of weeks here, play, especially when it comes to like that matchup in particular. Yeah. yeah, you mentioned the 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 Detroit game coming up before the Denver game. Also, I think there's a a, a, a San Antonio game too. Uh, I think coming right out of the All Star break on the twenty second. I think that's San Antonio. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Denver uh, in in successive order is tough. But this is what we did last year. We looked ahead to that schedule and said. It's tough, it's tough, it's tough, it's tough. And the Kings were playing good basketball. We see the Kings playing really good basketball right now, and this is just kind of one of those things where you hope they don't let up. And let up doesn't mean lose to Cleveland tonight. Cleveland's a good basketball team. I would love for the Kings to get them. I also hate when the Kings have, like, a weird advantage. Like, they've beaten a really, really good Cleveland Cavaliers time team three times in a row. Those types of things always make me antsy because – that locker room in Cleveland knows that they've lost to Sacramento three times, and I hate stuff like that. Yeah, that's never a good thing. Um, but again, they do have some questionable players tonight. Jared Allen's questionable. I haven't been able to catch up to see if anything's changed. And Darius Garland was added to the injury report as questionable today. Uh, so, like, look, this is a team that that has a ton of talent, a ton of top-tier picks. Uh, they went out and they gave it all up for uh, for Donovan Mitchell. And, you know, they're trying to push to be really, really good. Um, but there's also, you know, that little dark cloud that's hanging out in the background that, you know, Donovan Mitchell might not want to be there all that much longer. And I, I don't think anything will happen between now and Thursday, but that's always something to look forward to it. Well, well, to look out for. Yeah. Um, Just real yeah, quick, James, you've, you've been busy with me. Uh, Jared Allen and Darius Garland are both available for tonight's game. Oh, there we go. Okay. Um, yeah, that's that's going to be interesting. Um, yeah, they're a good team. Jared, and, Jared Allen's a monster. I really, I, I like Jared Allen a lot. I like I, this, too, I actually like this Cleveland Cavaliers team. What Sabonis does to, to Jared Allen is just unfair most oh, of the time. Hate to see it. He, yeah, he just, uh, you know, he he gets into his chest, shoves him right underneath the basket, and goes up for for easy easy scores. So. I don't know if that's going to be the case tonight, but I would be surprised if it wasn't because he's played well against these guys multiple times. And, you know, they're long and athletic, but if you if you don't worry about that and you just attack, then you should be just fine. This is, you know, the Kings are a good team. Cleveland's a good team. Um, you know, and heaven forbid, if the Kings somehow find a way to go 6-1 and one on a seven-game road trip, mm. that'd be pretty wild. Yeah, that'd be, that's a, that that, yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty amazing. Uh, as is the Sacramento Kings' weird relationship with free throws. Uh, they mm. were they, 
<laughs> they shot free throws really well uh, against uh, Chicago. I think it was 82% against Chicago. That was coming a night after the Indiana game, which they won. I think it was by double digits. I think it was by 11. And they shot like 62% in that game. And, of course, you have the ultimate weirdo game of the century where the Kings go 6 of 10 from the free throw line and De'Aaron goes 6 of 10 from the free throw line and no one else shoots a free throw. What? Clearly this is just going to be a season-long thing where they just have this weird relationship with the free throw line. But what do you think it is? Like, is is it is it just mental? Like, what is it? Oh, yeah, it's mental. I mean, I don't, like, I don't think there's any other way to sugarcoat it. Um, you know, when you typically have a team that is this bad as a, as a collective, uh, free throw shooting wise, it's because you have one player that is just the worst free throw shooter ever. Right. And that player is usually one of your top tier guys. So think like Shaq, right. Mm-hmm. Um, or even like when the, the Clippers couldn't keep Deandre Jordan on, on the court late in games because he would get fouled and miss free throws. There's always like one player that just stands out that, that can't shoot free throws at all. And that's not really the case. The Kings have a bunch of guys who, you know, should be decent free throw shooters between 80 and 90%. And sure their top two guys aren't great free throw shooters in Fox and Sabonis, but they're not like just the worst of the worst. And, you know, sure they've got to clean it up. And I, I actually was just looking. I'm pretty sure Sabonis, over his last you know handful of games, he's been much better. So yeah, so over his last seven games, he's shooting 87.5% from the line. Um, it's only on 3.4 attempts per night, but he he's trying to get better and he's trying to do uh, you know hit these things. It, it does seem like there is a focus. Even over his last 13 games, he's shooting 82%. But they got to find a way, and and it feels like they've got the yips a little bit in certain situations. I mean, we've seen Malik Monk go on a stretch where he couldn't hit any free throws at all. We, I mean, he cost them a game, maybe two, where he missed free throws in crunch time. It's something that, like, it's a mental block. It's something they have to figure out, and they need to get in, uh, whether it's, like, sports psychologists coming in and hanging out with individual players or as a group. Whatever it is, they've, they've got to figure it out and and just keep shooting them at practice. You mentioned the possibility of this team going 6-1 and one on this road trip, which would obviously be extraordinary. But at this point, they are 5-1. and one. Has that changed? Has this stretch, or and, and we can expand it a little bit further out, has this stretch of basketball from the Sacramento Kings changed your perception on what this team might be at all this year? Not really. I mean, yeah, they, they're on a better path right now. But this is all coming on a four-game losing tr- uh, losing streak. You know, you've got to show me that you can do it for more than one week on, one week off, one week off, uh, one week on. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's kind of a problem, right? So, uh, I don't know. I also it wouldn't change what I what I do at the deadline at all either. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think that was always a danger coming into this stretch. And you know, they I'd say they keep mentioning this on the the broadcast that this is the first time the Kings have ever won five games on a seven game road trip and they reference like the, the early two thousands Kings. I just want to point out that the early two thousand Kings, like they didn't play seven game road trips. So there's nothing to compare it to. Um, and 
they did actually like in back-to-back years in 01 and 02 and like 0203 they did play one six game road trip where they went six and zero, and another the next year they had a six game road trip where they went five and one so uh, that stat just keeps getting shoved out there and i'm not quite sure why because i mean sure it, it's factual but it's kind of misleading uh, because the Kings have actually had better road trips than this in their history in Sacramento. Well, it can't be worse than the other stat that's getting thrown out there. The the uh, de, the Demontis Sabonis is the franchise leader for consecutive double doubles. <laughs> that, I felt well, then, so bad. For those that don't know, that stat was everywhere. It was on NBA. It was on ESPN. The Kings had to issue a follow-up saying, we're sorry, the the previous research or whatever, that's actually inaccurate. They thought the franchise leader, they thought it was like 29 or 30 from... 31, Oscar Robertson, and he should have tied it and last it's, game. And it's actually like 42? Oh, no, it's worse than that. Oh, yeah. The, the, <laughs> the total streak Tomas over isn't two even seasons... Close. The total streak over two seasons is 55. Oh, my God. Yeah, Domas isn't even the, close. The single season streak is 45. Okay. And for some reason, it was Stathead that was pulling up the wrong stats, but Elias was able to correct it. And, yeah, it's it's Jerry Lucas has, like, the longest streak of all time, which yeah, that just, if, if you have— That just yeah. came out of nowhere. It was like, oh, Gosh. Yeah, we were all sitting here waiting for it to. I, I'm. I may even had a part of my six quick thoughts. Oh, he's about to. He's tying the record tonight, and then it's like, oh no, no, <laughs> it's not even close. Yeah. I mean, he's. I think right now he's tied for the second longest streak, but that other streak, the single game in one, <laughs> uh, the double double in a single season, it I believe is 45, and in yeah, over two seasons so it's, it's 55. It's 46. Uh, and he is, he's tied with Jerry Lucas, who also had 30, uh, and Oscar Robertson had 29. That's the, that's the single season streak. The longest streaks for overlapping in the season, that's the 55 you were referring to that stretched from, uh, January of, uh, 68 into the beginning of the next season. I, I, I can't lie. I thought that was funny. I was like, oh, Domas. Isn't even close to the record. We don't have to talk about this for four or five months. <laughs> yeah, we got we got a long time. We got time. a lot of time. Poor I mean, man. and the funny thing is that he's come up against it last couple of games where you're like, oh, is he going to not get a double-double? Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's like he can't score all of a sudden or, you know, there's one game where he went into halftime with two rebounds and by the late third quarter he had nine. And you're like, oh, he's got this one again. So, yeah, it, it's kind of fun. I like, I, I, I'm not gonna bag on the guys who who messed up the stat, um, or you know, it it happens. It happens to everybody with that stuff. But, um, yeah, it's gonna be a long time. Like, and and it's not like you get a plaque for it or anything. It's just a franchise record. He owns a Sacramento rec, uh, era. Well, that's the and thing. that's by a long shot. That's all I care about. Like, with all due respect to our ancestors. I'm good. <laughs> like, come on. Like, what are we talking hey, about? I'm, I don't care. Jerry, Jerry Lucas was a bad man. That's you fine. You should go look at his. No, you should go look at his stats. 
It's fine. <laughs> he was on. Was he? I don't even know if he was Kansas City or Rochester, but unless Cincinnati, bruh, Snappy. come on, man. Like I don't care. Like tell me, he's got the longest streak in Sacramento. Hey, he's got the Kings record in. And the uh, during the 65-66 season, Jerry Lucas averaged 21.5 points and 21.1 rebounds per game. Boy, that's that Will era. How tall was Jerry Lucas? 6'8". He also shot really? 25% from the three, so I'm wondering, didn't track which was what was offensive and what was defensive. Yeah, he was a 6'8 power forward. He's uh, he's still, a, still alive. He's 83 years old. Yeah. Well, could he get a double-double today? Well, oh. modern NBA, probably. <laughs> Misses out there. If he was on the Hawks, he probably could. Um, That's true. Domas is also racking up triple doubles. They got Malik Monk on the screen. Most assists off the bench. Most 20-point 20 20 point game bench. Most clutch points off the bench. Most clutch field goals made off the bench. On the heels of two worthy All-Stars being snubbed, is there... Any shot Malik Monk actually wins the the Sixth Man of the Year award this year? Mm, yes, uh, mainly to drive up the price and maybe out price him out of Sacramento. Oh, that because that would be like a fantastic. league wide conspiracy. It'd be fantastic. See? Yeah. incredible. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. Uh, he's funny. This. He says, "Hey, I should have won it last year." He's he said that multiple times. I like his, I really appreciate Malik and his whole disposition. Like he was asked about the guys getting snubbed from the all-star game. And he's just like, I'm not surprised people still sleeping on Sacramento. Like he didn't like, I, yeah, you know, I get, I get, and then that, that to me, that's one thing I just appreciate about Malik is like, if you like, he's just going to answer, like he's going to tell you exactly what he's thinking. He's not going to try to give you a soundbite. He's literally going to tell you exactly what he's thinking. Mike took a different approach. Obviously, Mike was really, really upset about those guys not making the all-star team, and that's what I would hope my coach would be if we were snubbed out of some honor. But I just appreciated the fact that Malik was like, no, I'm not surprised. People still ain't. Because outsiders think it's just us. Oh, you guys don't think anyone's paying attention to Sacramento. No, the players don't either. Malik like, yeah, y'all ain't paying attention to us. Y'all still sleeping on us. It's fine. It's fine. Keep it moving. I agree. Oh, James is trying to sneeze. No, that was good. He's trying. He, he, y'all can't see this. James is trying to mute. And he's trying to sneeze, and he's trying to have my back and the whole deal. I, I, it's all right. It's all right, I, James. I figured it out. It went away, I guess. Uh, it may come back. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, the league is so – they fall in love with, like, the shiny penny, right? And right now the shiny penny is the Timberwolves and, and OKC, and they've just moved on from the Kings. The Kings aren't interesting anymore because it's not new. And sure enough, it, if they they make it past the first round, everyone will be like, oh, my gosh, we knew this team was going to be this good. We just didn't know it. Like, whatever. Like, it, it's it's a weird place that the Kings are in because they go from the darlings one year to just left out the next. And so weird. Like, I, I hope that I hope that it is like the driving force behind what they do for the rest of the season. I hope so. I hope it's the driving force from this uh, increase in defensive presence that we've seen from De'Aaron Fox. And, you know, stats-wise, we have two of the better defending point guards uh, in the league tonight. Donovan actually had a rough night the last time the Sacramento Kings and Cleveland Cavaliers played uh, earlier this season in November. So um, 
I'm hoping to see that continue. I don't have swing stats or keys to a game or prize picks. Uh, I just want to see these two these two premium point guards go at it because Donovan is nasty, man. They're actually doing a breakdown right here. It looks like Keegan might draw the assignment. They're showing a breakdown of Keegan. I guess uh, while Keegan is the prime defender, Donovan was two of ten uh, the last time these two teams played, and you know Keegan has just emerged as just such a really great defender that the whole trajectory of this team I feel like sits on his shoulders. I, I totally agree with that. And tonight, if I'm Mike Brown, I I hit him with Keegan as much as possible. But then when you if Keegan gets in foul trouble, or if you've got to go a different direction, or Keegan will need a break, I'd hit him with with Davion. Davion mm-hmm. is has played Donovan really well and gets like gets into his like into his body. Like he he is uh he gets super aggressive. And I think between the two of them you can give them really, really different looks that both could be impactful. So I don't know. It, it's a it's a pretty big um it's been a pretty big game tonight. I, this is you want to finish strong. You don't want to make yeah. excuses for you know coming up short on a like on on a really long road trip. Like go finish it. Go go leave it all out there and see what happens. Uh, should be pointed out too before we go. Cleveland, really, really good at home as of late. Uh, they're 17 and eight, uh, but I think they've won eight home games in a row. Uh, big thanks to James Ham for spending a little extra time with me. Thanks to Will Z for being with us. Most of all, thank you for joining us. Are we going to run it back to the game? Okay, we're going to run it back before we head out uh, to Big uh, 12 basketball. I was going to say there's more Kings coverage on the way, but who am I kidding? Uh, I'm going to head over to 1025 here, and we'll see you tomorrow beginning at 10 a.m. with the Insiders on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 